0: James Gustav Speth chaired the White House Council on Environmental Quality for President Carter, helped found the Natural Resources Defense Council and the World Resources Institute, and then ran the U.N. Development Program in the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. You'd hardly think that he's a radical with a resume like that, but Gus Speth was arrested in front of the White House for protesting the XL Pipeline in 2011. He's now a professor at the Vermont Law School and writes that our politics are so corrupt and our environmental movement so weak that we are in peril. His new book
1: is America the Possible Manifesto for a New Economy. Do we want to merely revive the economy uh, with all its failings uh, or do we want to transform the economy into one where the real priorities of economic activity in our country are people and place and planet. And uh, this old economy that everyone's struggling to revive was a pretty sad place. It still is a pretty sad place. Uh, During the period where economic growth went up 125% since 1980, we've had uh, inequality mount, poverty mount, jobs fled our borders. We lost 42,000 manufacturing plants. Uh, The environment declined, life satisfaction flatlined. I mean, that's what happened in the old economy. And, you know, it it is now already uh, higher GDP than it was before the Great Recession of 2008. And yet we still have all these problems. We need an economy that, you know, doesn't simply prioritize growth, but uh, more importantly, puts a priority on sustaining people, sustaining place, sustaining planet. What's wrong with GDP? Why do you see it as such a threat to uh, the environment uh, and our society? Well, I have a chapter on that in America the Possible, and uh, we need a new system of indicators that give us the right signals of whether we're making national progress. Uh, Bobby Kennedy in 1968 made a powerful attack on GDP and pointing out that it is simply an aggregation of every economic transaction in the society, whether it's good or bad or indifferent. And a lot of them are bad, and you, you, know, you can ratchet up GDP by uh, having an oil spill in the Gulf. Bobby Kennedy was running for president back then. His
0: words on how he measured the economy still resonate today. Here they are.
2: Our gross national product now is over $800 billion a year. But that gross national product, if we judge the United States of America by that, that gross national product counts air pollution and cigarette advertising, and ambulances to clear our highways of carnage. It counts special locks for our doors and the jails for the people who break them. It counts the destruction of the Redwoods and the loss of our natural wonders in chaotic sprawl. It counts napalm and it counts nuclear warheads and armored cars for the police to fight the riots in our city. It counts Whitman's rifles and specs knives and the television programs which glorify violence in order to sell toys to our children. Yet the gross national product does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their education, or the joy of their play. It does not include the beauty of our poetry, or the strength of our marriages, the intelligence of our public debate for the integrity of our public officials. It measures neither our wit nor our courage, neither our wisdom nor our learning, neither our compassion nor our devotion to our country. It measures everything in short, except that which makes life worthwhile. And it can tell us everything about America, except why we are proud that we are Americans.
0: Just months after he gave that speech, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. And GDP is still the measure of America's success. Again, Gus
1: Speth. We need a, um, a really good measure of sustainable economic welfare that can go toe-to-toe with GDP every quarter. And there have been efforts to do that. And what they show is that during the past few decades, when GDP per capita went up and up and up, on average... You know, uh, life satisfaction and genuine progress indicator measure uh, flatlined during that period. Let's talk about money. In your book, America the Possible,
0: you're quite critical of the way that uh, money is created in this society by banks. Detail to us what's wrong with that process and how
1: you would change it. Most money that's in the society is is created by bank debt when people take out loans from banking institutions. So it gives the Banking institutions, tremendous power. I mean, money is a system of power. And um, the banks determine who gets money. And overwhelmingly, the process of investment in our society is chasing the highest financial return. That leads to many things that are highly destructive, such as investing in mountaintop removal and uh, tar sands and other things, which the big banks are doing now. And it leads to severe underinvestment in real social and environmental needs that um, don't yield a high financial return. In a new America, how would we address social inequality? I think compared with Europe, for example, we have a very weak unemployment insurance program. Uh, It reaches a smaller percentage of the unemployed and it compensates for a smaller percentage of wages. We could certainly improve our unemployment insurance program. We could certainly improve the minimum wage program. And through other means, including tilting the collective bargaining process and unionization process back towards organized labor, which we've tilted away from dramatically uh, in recent decades. And of course, the tax structure needs to be changed. In 1928, the top 1% of earners had about 24% of national income. It went down by the mid-70s to about 7% of national income. But now it's gone all the way back up again to about 24% of national income. So one goal that we ought to have for our society, in a way a minimum goal, is to return to the kind of uh, income equality that we had in the mid-70s. Not a terribly radical proposal, because we were there at one time, and it was a better place. And how does this affect the environment? The environment and the equity issues uh, go together. People that are economically insecure find it really hard to uh, address environmental issues when they you know, have more pressing concerns with their pocketbooks. And when you try to do something like impose a charge, easily called a tax, on carbon emissions and people see that that could raise gasoline prices and energy prices, and they already are having trouble paying those bills, they become opponents of doing the right thing to save the planet's climate. So we need a a more just economic system. And I think that would provide the basis for a more rigorous uh, environmental protection.
0: Now, in your career, you've worked closely with elected officials, uh, President uh, Jimmy Carter. you Chair of the Council on Environmental Quality for him, uh, advised Bill Clinton. You've been close to electoral politics. In your view, what's wrong with our democracy now and how do you think we should fix it?
1: Well, we certainly have um, what I call the creeping corporatocracy and, and plutocracy. You see the plutocracy, the money taking power in our politics uh, every day now. Corporations uh, spend a lot more on lobbying than they do on campaigns, a lot more. We always have known that corporations were the principal economic actors in our system, but I would say that they are now the principal political actors in our system. And I think there are things that we need to do. We need to start by securing the voters. People automatically be registered to vote uh, when they get to be age 18. That's common in advanced industrial countries. And uh, we need to make voting easier, a longer uh, time ahead of the election day to vote, have a national holiday on election day. The other big thing we need to do is to enact a type of campaign finance reform that really works. And the latest proposal would be, you know, if you make a, a small contribution, $250 to a president or someone running for Congress, the federal government would match that five to one. You know, if you had enough supporters, uh, you could raise enough money to run a competitive campaign. So, your
0: book, *America the Possible*, Gus Speth, uh, the manifesto for a new economy, is a huge, broad vision that would change almost everything in America. The question is, how do you get there from here? If the political system is broken, how can you get political change?
1: Well, I'm going to make a prediction, which is that when this election is over, there are going to be so many people fed up with what we have experienced in the process that there could well be a confluence of, uh, of interests coming together to enact a set of pro-democracy political uh, reforms. I-, I think we need an era uh, to revive an era of protest, uh, uh, to revive an era of marches and uh, demonstrations and nonviolent uh, civil disobedience. If it's done in the right way, It can build support, and um, it can dramatize the need for change. We saw that with the Civil Rights Movement, and uh, we need that kind of fervor, again, if we're going to build the America the Possible for our grandchildren. Thank you, Gus, for coming in. Thank you, Steve. Vermont Law School professor, Gus
0: Speth. His book is America the Possible, Manifesto for a New Economy.